Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. Public-private partnerships are vital to Florida's economic growth. In this download, South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez connects with Miami-Dade Beacon Council President and CEO Roderick Miller for an update. Welcome, Rod. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Florida Business Minds. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. You are the president and CEO of the Miami-Dade Beacon Council, which is the county's public-private economic development agency. And you were hired early this year and came to the role after leading development efforts in Detroit, New Orleans, and Puerto Rico. Now, you were selected for this role after an extensive seven-month search. And at the time, you said you viewed it as a great opportunity to capitalize on the investments and the new businesses attracted to Miami-Dade over the past few years. So let's talk a little bit about what appealed to you about this leadership role at the Beacon Council. Yeah, well, I think to start with, it was the community. Miami is a very dynamic and unique community. When you look at Miami, it's got a a unique demographic mix with, you know, with over half the population being born outside of the United States. It's experienced tremendous growth from an economic perspective over the last years. And even a boom during the pandemic, it's like the rest of the U.S. discovered it. So first of all, the community. The second thing that really got me excited about this role was the Beacon Council. Beacon Council has a great reputation nationally as a leading economic development organization. It's one of only 65 economic development organizations in the country that's accredited. And so the rich history and performance of this organization were also attractive. Then last but not least, you know, I really like markets where there's an opportunity to do something fresh and to do something new. And when I looked at Miami's market, we're really in a place of transition. So I thought, you know, I could bring a unique perspective and leadership at a time that I believe is really critical for the community's future. Great. Now, it seems like the onrush of relocations that we experienced when the world went remote has slowed down a bit. But how did we benefit from that migration? And are those relocations still bearing fruit? Um, In other words, how can we build on that? So the short answer is, yeah, migration has changed, but uh, migration patterns have changed for relocations. But that's not just a Miami reality. That's a reality across the globe. So we're performing kind of in alignment with what's happening around the country and around the globe and the economy. That said, though, we're still bearing the fruits of those relocations to the market. Many of those companies are expanding and have added new jobs here. Uh, Those companies are hiring locally. And then we're really trying to figure out how to tap into many of the private equity and venture funds and and hedge funds that have moved to the market to actually be a source of growth for, for our entrepreneurial base. So I think we're we're going to continue to see that. You know, for us, our priority is always on quality jobs and companies that are looking to invest in Miami long term. So um, you really don't win in growing an economy when there's kind of this short term, like, let's get a company today attitude. Our attitude is really, you know, we want companies that see the long term value of our market and we want to figure out how to connect them to that value whether it's value related to our universities, whether it's value related to our entrepreneurial ecosystem, or whether it's the value because of our strategic location. All of those things are things that really equal long-term opportunity for companies. And we're trying to figure out how to make sure that they see that long-term value when they come. Great example is Kaseya. Kaseya, you know, worked with Beacon in 2018 to establish their headquarters. And then they expanded once during the pandemic, and then they just had another expansion of of around 3,000 jobs. Those are the kinds of companies that we were able not only to lure here, but to help continue growing despite the pandemic. Now, speaking of companies 
Florida has long struggled with luring large employers here due to our, our legislator stands on incentives. So how do we work around that so that we can compete with other states that are pro-incentives? That's a very good question. I'll share a couple of thoughts. You know, the first thought I'll say, yes, we've struggled, but our economic performance overall as a market has been pretty, pretty good. I mean, we've had 14,818 new job commitments from, from companies just this past year. 5,700 of those direct jobs, about 9,000 indirect jobs. And we've had over a billion and a half in uh, gross regional product increase. So so the economy is growing. And despite the lack of incentives, we've been able to do that. And I think there's a primary reason why. Incentives are the tail. And so you want to make sure you, the tail doesn't wag the dog. So the first thing is you want to build a market that's competitive. And the competitive means a dollar invested there is going to yield more than a dollar invested somewhere else. To look at what makes a market competitive, that's looking at things such as what's the real estate environment, what's the level of access to capital, what's the quality of the educational institutions. So I think one of the things that Florida has gotten right is that it's made strategic investments in a lot of the things that fundamentally make a market strong. That said, I don't want anyone to leave this and said, Rod Miller said incentives aren't important. Incentives are absolutely important, but the first focus should be building a market that's competitive. And so I think, you know, that that's been a big piece of what's allowed us to compete. However, if we had incentives, we'd be much more competitive. One of the reasons why you don't see a lot of manufacturing in Florida is because the manufacturing industry really relies heavily on incentives and anywhere else in the country, and especially in the Southeast, has a lot more manufacturing might than, than we do. So I think moving forward, we should continue to focus on the competitiveness factors, but we do really need to figure out what our toolkit looks like for incentives. We need to have a toolkit. And a good toolkit for incentives has a couple of things that it has. One is a good toolkit is performance-based. So the incentives are contingent on the performance of a company. The second thing that a good incentives had is that it has a clear return on investment. And that return on investment uh, to the coffers from a capital perspective, to the public coffers, where the money comes from or where the investment comes from, but also return on investment in terms of job creation for local people, a return on investment in terms of quality amenities and stuff that it adds to the community. And we are at a big disadvantage not having those incentives. So despite the growth and the performance that we've had, uh, which uh, is a result of some very smart decisions on one hand, we're not getting all that we could get if we had incentives. What are some of the sectors where you see the most opportunity for growth in Miami-Dade and in what parts of the county? There are three things that I say an economy should always be. I say it should always be sustainable. So you want measured and consistent growth time over time. It should be competitive. So competitiveness is fundamental. It needs to be a dollar invested here yields more than a dollar invested anywhere else, which is the idea that, you know, there's a mix of factors that make a place attractive and we need to be focused on those. And then last but not least, you want the economy to be inclusive. And by inclusive, you want to ensure that there are job opportunities no matter what one looks like or no matter where they are located in the county. One of the misperceptions is that the majority of the deals that the Beacon Council does end up happening right in, in the Brickell area. We do a lot of deals in the Brickell area, but we do deals all around Miami-Dade County. And because there are different economies, there are micro economies, and uh, to have a strong economy, we need about all the pieces to work together. So sectors of focus are finance. We've got the second strongest international financial market outside of New York on the East Coast. And so we've got a lot of international financial companies. As a matter of fact, just next month, BNP, the National Bank of Paris, is actually opening up on Brickell. So we're seeing a lot of activities in the finance space, and we're going to continue to see that, I think. 
Then you've got life sciences. And of course, the life sciences is a core sector of this market, life sciences and healthcare. We're seeing not only, you know, activity with the Baptists and the Nicholas and the Jacksons, but we're also seeing companies such as Insight Tech and others that are innovating and making real growth. And that is happening all over the county because all over the county, there are healthcare needs and there are opportunities for advancement. Trade and logistics, of course, the trade and logistics work is anchored by our port, not our airport. We've gotten, by many measures now, one of the busiest airports in the United States. I think we're up to over 300 flights a day now out of our airport. So that's going to continue to be a, a driver. One in four jobs in Miami-Dade County is tied to uh, train logistics. And then aviation is also important. Florida actually has the second largest aviation sector in the United States. And in South Florida, we're pretty much the capital of training for pilots, for mechanics, and all of, all of those jobs. And those jobs, again, are all throughout the county. So those are good opportunities. Now, that said, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that there are a couple of emerging sectors where I think there are huge opportunities. And the first one I would say is climate and sustainability. That's both an existential challenge in terms of if we don't address the challenges related to climate and sustainability, we won't be here. But it's also probably one of the biggest economic opportunities because we're not the only community that's facing those challenges. So whether it's work of the MDIA, the Miami-Dade Innovation Authority, or a lot of the work that the universities have, we're seeing a lot of investment in terms of research on climate and sustainability as well as new companies. And then the last sector that I I'd have to mention would be technology. Technology, we've tripled the number of technology jobs in Miami-Dade over the last 10 years, but we're still very, very small. That said, despite being a small market for technology, I think our biggest opportunities are going to really emerge from technological innovations to support the sectors that we said are core sectors. Finance, life sciences, trade and logistics, aviation, and increasingly climate and sustainability. Roderick Miller joining us. Next, he addresses South Florida's tight labor market as Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash bizrebates. I know that Miami-Dade has had a banner year when it comes to job creation. I mean, you mentioned yourself, about 14,800 full-time jobs, 9,000 in direct jobs. But I also keep hearing from company heads about how challenging it is to fill open positions. So what do you think needs to take place for companies to be able to fill these positions quickly? So I've been doing this work for 20 years, and I will tell you that Miami-Dade probably has one of the more progressive workforce development systems of, of the places where I've worked. So for example, you know, we've got Career Source of South Florida, which is really a world-class partner in terms of investing in uh, partnering with companies to figure out how to do training. We've got Miami-Dade College, which is of course the largest college in the country with over 120,000 students and uh, probably 12,000, 13,000 graduates a year. And so while companies are lamenting the challenges, what we found is that when we connect them to our academic institutions, to Career Source, to FIU, to UM, to Barry, to Florida Memorial, to St. Thomas, we're finding that they're able to actually develop the training that they need to cultivate their employees or to hire the employees that they need. One of the bigger challenges, I would say, is mid-level talent 
we're hearing a lot of concerns around the ability to, right. to get mid-level talent. And I think we're going to have to be very focused. We're actually looking at expanding our scope at the Beacon Council to figure out how do we tackle the question of attracting mid-level talent, retaining mid-level talent, and cultivating mid-level talent. And it's going to take an ecosystem approach. There's not one organization that can do it alone, but I'm convinced that if there's a place that can handle it, it's Miami. Great. Now, one of the big issues we continue to hear and write about is Miami-Dade's housing affordability problem. Now, what do you think it's going to take to tackle that one? Because I know that one's not easy. Yeah, there's no magic bullet, but there's a few things. One is, of course, the Beacon Council's primary focus is on jobs. And what we know is that 61% of residents of Miami-Dade County are housing burden, where they're spending more than a third of their income monthly in uh, rent or, or housing expenses. Part of that is going to be more jobs and better quality jobs. So I think we've got to continue to focus on how do we bring jobs that are better than average. And this just this past year, the average job that we brought was about $100,000 a year in terms of wages. And we're going to have to do that and make sure that those jobs are accessible. Second, you've got a question of supply and demand. We're going to need a lot more supply. And I think those solutions are not in the Beacon Council's hands, but I think it's going to be how do we work with the private sector, with banks, with businesses, and with public policy to really incentivize workforce housing and density. You know, um, we've got a place where a lot of people have single family homes and that's cool, but we're going to need to look at much more uh, multifamily in order to be able to meet our housing demands. And then I think the third thing that's going to be critical to solving the housing challenge is going to be accessibility of jobs. Right now, when we look at where employment corridors, we're a really big county, but we've only probably got five or six real employment corridors and people live everywhere. So I think one of the realities is if we can figure out how to create employment corridors closer to where there's affordable housing, that will help deal with not only the housing problem, but it will also help tackle some of the transit issues that we've been addressing. Great. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today, Rod. I always enjoy chatting with you. It was a pleasure to catch up, to hear all your insights on Miami-Dade's potential for continued success moving forward. So exciting times to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.